morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to another Talking Early Years podcast. This morning, I have a very interesting guest who is a coach. And I think I might be wrong in saying this, but I think he was one of the first coaches. And he very kindly donated his time to me some many years ago to try and shape me up into a better leader through coaching and convince me that coaching was very important. I'm going to talk to him today about all things coaching because it's a it's a term that's used all the time now bandied about in all different ways and so we just want to kind of sort of focus in on, on actually what coaching is why it, why it benefits people and I guess like anything he'll give us his top tips so I'm going to welcome Stephen Gribben and I'm going to ask him to tell him tell us about himself rather than us having to do that so um in true style welcome Stephen and obviously your first question is how do you get into coaching and you know what was the tipping tipping in point for you thanks june um different for me in that it was back in well 1998 so it was a very different place then um i fell into this um through always being fascinated by people and wanting to know what made people tick what made them do stuff, what made them not do things. And I was fortunate enough to be, spend a bit of time out in the US and saw these guys who were coaches. And um, I found that quite interesting. And when I came back to, to Europe, saw that there was a growing interest in this, largely because we'd moved to a stage where people didn't have the luxury of supervisors, mentors, managers who could spend that amount of time or for people to go into roles where they had time to get up to speed they kind of had to hit the ground running so there was um there was an interest and a demand particularly from us owned businesses who understood it to 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 get into coaching and providing that as a service and um you know people often talk about coaching um in terms of like hand holding and supporting and stuff. What kind of like when you, you you're doing coaching with me? What are the kind of main anxieties or the main kind of coaching points people need or think they need, and you might help them to think otherwise? Yeah, and and that's interesting. What they think they need, um, there'll be a reason why they've engaged. Um, that reason might be their own reason. That might be a reason that someone has given them. Um, and really, you're there as the coach to identify what are the real reasons and real opportunities for engaging in this. Um, not so much hand-holding, um, because this is really about helping that individual fulfil their potential and for their growth to be genuine and authentic. More to support and challenge in the right measure for that individual to, to engage in this with confidence. But what they often come with isn't necessarily what they end up aiming for, but it might be that reason to make that in initial engagement. So give us a, a few examples then, like real examples. So um, one of the common reasons you will, I'll be introduced to someone is they're maybe being perceived or described as being too emotional. Oh. Um, I've yet to ever meet anybody who has yet too emotional. I think emotional is a fantastic thing to have but they are maybe letting their emotions dictate their choices and decisions and approaches. Um, and so they will come having been told they need to manage, they need to become less emotional. Um, what that can often be is more an issue over 
confidence, purpose, perspective, maybe resilience, um, maybe trying to please too much, um, maybe just that self-esteem, self-worth level of self-confidence, um, lack of purpose. So you start to get into the cause rather than just the symptoms. Um, because no matter how much you deal with the symptoms, if the cause is still there, it's going to manifest itself in different ways. Um, so that, that would be a typical example, whether it's people about their emotions or their level of confidence, or they will just class it as leadership, or they've lost their motivation. All of these types of things are more mm. symptomatic. Um, so you're there to help them kind of understand their own process so that not just that they get through this period, but they understand themselves as a process, so they're more self-aware, so that they can start to put a strategy in place for not just getting out of that situation, but not getting back into it in the future. Is it different for men and women? I mean, do you coach more men now than women? Or, you know, do you find that, uh, I mean, the uh, emotional, being emotional kind of, kind of can trigger a kind of female response there because we're often accused of being a bit emotional um yeah, I, but actually that's the way people are and you know I guess um that's not necessarily a because or a bad thing it's just how it is but do you do you find that you're coaching more men than women are that and when you are coaching men and women it they're kind, it's a kind of a different approach look I think it's a lot to do with perception June um I, and I think it's changing, thankfully. I, I've never had that perception that it's any different one way or the other. Um, if you've got emotions to manage and direct, um, then that's what we're going to work on. Um, I do think at times there is a sensitivity to emotional or for a whole number of different ways, you know, maybe not. But I've, I've never looked upon it as being any different. It um, has such a strong place. Um, because if you could just get that space to talk it out, to think it through, mm. uh, to mm. even hear yourself communicate it and talk out and have to explain it, um, then you, even if you're going to go and do the same thing, you'll do it with more conviction because you've had that opportunity to bounce off someone in that confidential environment. Do you see a lot of imposter syndrome? Yes, um, and at and all levels. And, and look, I, although I work mainly with CEOs, I've, I, I work with people at all levels, and then I also do some uh, work just on an individual basis. Imposter syndrome for me is such a thing driven by, really driven by social media to a large extent, which is why it's uh -huh. becoming more of a thing. Oh, um, and the risk of it becoming more of a thing is it becomes more accepted because it's more of a thing. Um, it's not a, a good thing for anybody. Um, and it's the difference between self-improvement and self-development. Self-improvement always looks at the gaps, you know, and telling you who you should be, what should make you happy, what you should be aiming for, you know, what success should look like for you. And it's all external. And what happens if you try on these kind of secrets of success and it works for you, you then feel like a complete imposter because you're only being successful by pretending to be something or someone else. Or there's a flip side of that. You try on these secrets of success and it doesn't work for you. So you then start to think you're the problem. So your self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth goes through the floor. So neither outcomes are positive. I've always taken the approach of self-development, which has a different starting position. So self-development, rather than looking at your gaps, looks at your strengths, looks at what you're good at, what you know, what you know works for you, knowing what makes you happy, knowing what doesn't, 
knowing what the kind of information you need and the kind of information you don't pay attention to, understanding yourself as a process, so that what we can do is build upon your strengths, so that when we identify those areas that you want to improve in, we can build genuine, sincere, authentic ways of you fulfilling your potential by being you, rather than that perception that you can only fulfill that potential by pretending to be someone else or being less of who you are. And that's where um, I've got a passion about this because I end up speaking to a lot of people who've gone down the road of self-improvement. And of course, that's not going to work for you. Now, self-development isn't easy, but it's far more fulfilling. But it does require you to take that bit more personal ownership. But that's where the personal growth comes. And that's interesting, actually, the whole personal um, responsibility and ownerships. Because, like, how do you measure progress in a coaching relationship? You know, it, it seems like quite amorphous thing. And I know that there's been criticisms that coaching is very much around the partnering and the arm around and the kind of giving sense a lot of space. But sometimes it doesn't tip into action. So people have a lot of coaching meetings and it doesn't they don't get to the point where they need to deliver, I guess, against what they are hoping to achieve. So, I don't know, being more affirmative in their leadership or addressing conflict, I think, is a big one. So how do you how do you measure it and how do you get to that point where there's a push in the coaching where, you know, so that you feel that they're making some level of change? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the main thing you're going to get out of coaching is behavioural change. Um, and more conscious choices that you're making. Um, mm. And that's that's what you'll get out of coaching. And really, it's it's what you measure and also who's measuring that. Um, and I, I really don't get to measure my own success. I get to look at the people I'm working with and see how they're doing in terms of their confidence, their conscious choices and the results that they produce. But it's first of all making sure when you go into that engagement that we're clear on what we're going to measure as success rather than just feeling better because you sit down with a coach you're going to feel better even just taking that time to be able to mm. talk things through and take time out and to maybe work on what you're doing rather than work in what you're doing you're going to feel better and that, that is a measure of success but if it's not that defined measure of success the measurement can then be a bit sporadic and important that there's alignment. So if I'm working with an organisation and the CEO, I really need to know from the organisation what they want that CEO to start demonstrating so that when I'm working with that CEO, we've got purposeful questions, not just good questions, but questions with a purpose so that they're getting to progress in the, the areas that will be recognised. Otherwise, you can get a kind of split with the individuals loving the sessions, but their organisation saying we don't see any difference. Yeah. And um, have you also ever been in a situation with a, I suppose you call them a coachee, um, who had made like an unexpected and powerful kind of transformational impact that you didn't anticipate and they didn't anticipate and it became like a kind of light bulb moment of beyond? Yeah, look, I think that's, after been doing this for as many years, I, I don't get so surprised anymore. Oh, um, what, what, what I kind of get surprised about is they didn't see it coming. Um, and this, I, I'm, what I'm always inspired by is the smallest things that have such a disproportionate benefit. 
And, you know, when I work with other coaches, there can be a tendency earlier on in a coach's career, we're looking to make that big difference. And those big differences tend to make a very small benefit. And over time, what you realise, it's those small things that have the disproportionate benefit, the small things that make the big impact. And that, June, can be, you know, um, well, if I, if I put this into perspective, there's the first three things you need to do as a coach. First of all, you need to be present. And that's not just about being there, but it's demonstrating you're there. So by saying, look, June, I've got 100 things going on, but for the next 14 minutes, it's just you and I. Really demonstrating you're present. And there is great value and benefit. And that can sometimes just be the bit that makes a difference because you might be the only person who's been present for somebody. The second thing is you listen and acknowledge rather than judge. And again, you might be the only person that's not judging. You're the only person that has discipline to keep listening and acknowledging. And then the third thing is you ask a lot of questions, purposeful questions, which is really code for stop telling, because we're not short of people who want to tell us what to do. So again, you might be the only person. And those three things don't move the dial. And those three things could equally fit as a mentor, as a coach or a counsellor, or even psychotherapist on that, on that continuum. But those three things are the foundation. But where coaching really moves the dial is in the fourth part, which is you offer perspective. And this is those small things that have the big impact. When you can just offer perspective that enables someone to see something a little bit different than they did 30 seconds previously, that can just open up their thinking to a whole load of things. So the most obvious example is someone will say, I've got a really difficult conversation to have with a colleague. And if I say, well, difficult or important, when they then see it as important, the frame of reference changes immediately in front of you. Or they will say, this is going to be an awkward situation, awkward or valuable. And if they see it as valuable, their approach to it is very, very different. And those small things can really change the direction and course of their behaviour, their thinking, their emotions, because the frame of reference changes. And once the frame of reference changes, that changes performance. Because your choice of words will influence a perception and perception drives performance. And just that's those really interesting. can really help. Sorry, I, that's really interesting because um, that's really a lot about mindset. And we, I've been doing a lot of rereading of mindset to um in some work i'm doing around sustainability and i i think are you very influenced by the likes of carol dweck and others yeah look i i go into situations where most people either individually or businesses on a global basis they're looking at strategies to drive performance what they've not picked up on is the mindset that's behind the strategy if you've got a winning mindset, you can take a bang average strategy and make it perform really well. But you can take a world-class strategy and put a, 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 an average mindset behind it and you will get very average performance. That's, that's a good that's a good thing to remember, actually. Um, you wrote a, a very um, readable book about coaching. See, when, when was that? That was published in 2016. Oh, right. I've quoted it a number of times, actually, in some of my work. But um, 
I remember that one thing that always stayed with me was um, the sense of self, the self, sense of others, you know, looking at the world through what motivates a person for themselves and what motivates them to do good for others. It's always it's always stayed with me. But just to conclude our, our very interesting chat, what would you give as your top sort of three coaching tips to someone who's out there thinking about it and maybe mulling over whether they can allocate that to their budget, given things are tight right now? What would they be your three top top tips? I, th- I think developing a big enough why and have real purpose and reason for what you're doing and don't sell yourself short. If you're going to do this, you should do it really well. And that will be determined largely by what you're aiming for. So that everything that you've got is really purposeful, that it's at the forefront, that you're not just doing this because you should or doing it because it would make things better, but doing it for that bigger, more ambitious, more amazing outcome. Because you're going to put the work in anyway. You may as well go for something that's meaningful, that makes a difference. The second thing I would say is make sure you're clear on your intention. Intention is a massive thing at all levels of leadership, whether it's individual leadership or global leadership. Intention is a massive thing at the moment. If I know and can trust your intention, I will forgive you everything else. But if I don't know what your intention is, even if you deliver it perfectly, I'll be a bit suspicious. Mm. So being able to have that clarity of your intention and communicating that intention means that you will get the, everything then moves towards you at that level. Now, everyone's got a positive intention, but different people have got different levels of positive intention. So one person might have the intention to make a real meaningful difference. The other person might have the intention to not make any mistakes. Now, those are two positive intentions, but at two different levels. If you're going to go into coaching, make it really meaningful. Make sure your intention is at that level where it is about making a real difference. Because it's not easy and you should be challenged and you should be supported. Um, The third piece, I would say, is make sure you get the right coach. Mm -hmm. And there are many, there's tens of thousands of coaches in the UK now. Um, and it's fantastic. But make sure you get the right coach for you. And that is the person who you'd want to have in your corner. And um, I say to everybody I work with, I'm always going to be in your corner. It might not always feel like I'm on your side, because sometimes I'm going to ask questions or give you some feedback that might not be convenient. But sometimes you need someone in your corner who cares enough to ask that question or give that piece of feedback. Because it's important that you know the intention of your coach and you know why they're in your corner and it's someone you would want in your corner. Thank you. Um, but I think that that's enough to get people's mind buzzing and um, and I'm grateful for you giving us your time this morning. Um, I, th- I think the intention thing is really interesting. Um, so um, we leave it at that. Um, and we will write it up and we will post it and we put the link to your book and hopefully this will encourage some other people to think about coaching and mindset change and uh, the intention to make a big difference so that's great thank you so much thank you for joining me today If you like what you heard, please share it or check us out on our website, leaf.org.uk.